Good morning. Good to be back. I always feel more than 40 years since I came to this congregation, first time in 1979. But I still feel coming home. It's a pleasure. Brother Bodhi, thank you for that special number. Let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. Brethren, that's true sanctification. And I'd like to thank Tom and Lloyda Lampert for these beautiful flowers. Brethren, every time I come, I see... Not for me, please don't misunderstand. Every time I see them bringing in all these flowers, lots of work, and they yet do it for the Lord. I thank the Lord for them. And then, one more thing. I requested last Sabbath that you enlarge the birthday list. And lo and Behold, the list increased with the name of yours truly. Thank you, Monica. I like to state a principle. We must, or we may be eyewitnesses to sacred history, But if we misinterpret that history, we will not enter the promised land. It's a mystery of iniquity. You remember last Sabbath we talked about these two big mysteries. The mystery of godliness that leads to heaven, leads back to paradise... And the mystery of iniquity that keeps us from entering heaven. And these two mysteries are in constant conflict. And uh, when Paul writes his epistle to the Corinthians, he says, all that was written is written for our benefit that we may not repeat the same mistake. Oh, if I could start life over again. There would be many things that I would differently. But that option is not available. But let me repeat this principle, brethren, because it is extremely important. We may be eyewitnesses to sacred history. In fact, we are. Right now, prophecy is being fulfilled in the United States. But if we misinterpret these, we will never enter the promised land. You remember I, I said, and I like to re-emphasize that, it was not enough for Israel to come out of Egypt. Oh, they came out by miracle. But 
they had to enter the promised land as a sanctified people. And brethren, it is not enough for us to come out of the world physically. It's important. It's a first step probably. But we have to fit for heaven. We have to fit. You heard the scripture reading, Korah, Dayton, Abiram, and 250 princesses, prominent leaders, not just anybody on the edge that you can just brush aside because insignificant. No. These were leaders. What were the theological statements? Now, brethren, there is much theology in history. Past history, present history, and future history. Much theology. What was their theological main premise? They said, for all the congregation is holy. Everyone is holy. Now, brethren, in the sanctuary service, there were people whom the Lord had chosen to perform certain services and no one else. Are you with me? <coughs> and the requirement was that they perform it as the Lord told them. When somebody took in from the sons of Aaron, strange fire, the Lord killed them. Is that correct? No, for all the congregation was not equally holy. And uh, the Lord told Moses, and Moses told the congregation, the Lord will show who is his and who is holy. <coughs> It's all predicament for Igor. You know, there will be a time when the same issue will be raised. Who is the Lord's and who is not the Lord's? And when the seven last plague will fall, the question will be settled at least for those with sanctified minds. But unsanctified minds will misinterpret sacred history. It will be sacred history when the seven last plague fell, right? Because God will make a difference between those who are his and those who are not his, correct? And Moses said, because the Lord told him to tell. By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. For I have not done them on my own will. Now, brethren, 
It's a very important theological statement. Because the accuser said that Moses did arbitrarily led them to the wilderness to destroy them. And here Moses says, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things. For I have not done them on my own. I admire that man in more than one respect. And wives, you could admire a husband. I, I, I believe in a certain sense, Zipporah was the most blessed wife. Because here was a man who was very considerate. Inspiration tells us he knew the people's problem before they came to him. You remember the scripture says from morning to evening he was sitting <coughs> and people came to, for, came to him for judgment. And not once. Are you listening? Not once did they say his judgment was wrong. That's a big thing, brethren. That's a big thing. But the Holy Spirit tells us, Mrs. Whitereiser said, before they came to Moses, the Holy Spirit already revealed to him what's the problem of that family or the other family or the other individual. <coughs> Not only the problem, but the solution. And Moses said, if these men die naturally, like all men, then the Lord has not sent me. Is this clear to a rational mind? It should be. It should be. If the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens up his mouth, and they will go <clears throat> down. You will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Not Moses and Aaron. They have rejected the Lord. And as he finished talking, you know, you know the story. The earth opened up, swallowed up everybody. People were running for their lives, those who were close. And they had 24 hours to meditate on it. 24 hours. If 24 hours were not enough to rationally settle this issue, then eternity would not have been enough. Are you with me, brother? The Lord gave them only 24 hours. But next day, what did they say? 
You know the story. I'm just repeating it. Next day they said, you have killed the people of the Lord. <coughs> now, brethren, do we sense the seriousness of this charge? Do we sense how serious it is? Moses and Aaron killed the people of the Lord. So, in other words, demonic forces were in charge, in control. The denial of divine leadership. The denial of divine leadership. Everything is a mistake. We might as well go back to Egypt. Plague came out. And people begin to die. And what did Moses do? He spoke to Aaron and says, immediately take your censer, take that holy fire, put incense on it, and run between the people and make intercession. And the scripture says that when Aaron stood between the living and the dead, 17,500 people were already dead. The man who was charged with destroying the people of the Lord saved the people of the Lord. Do you see? Do you see, brother? Now, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that all those things that were written about Israel are written for our own Learning that we do not repeat the same mistake. And none of us are exempt. You know, we like to take credit <coughs> for things that only the Lord should take credit. Are you with me? Now, this was a big temptation where Moses stumbled and failed and for which he could not enter the promised land. I love, I love the spirit of prophecy. I have said it before. I say it again. If it were not for the spirit of prophecy, I would not be a Seventh-day Adventist. It helped me to understand something that I needed to understand. The spirit of prophecy tells us that Moses truly repented. Just like David truly repented when David was running before his own son. Barefoot, covered his head and 
weeping and crying. Confessing his sins. The Lord says David never been so dear to the Lord as at that time. Are you with me, brethren? Are you with me? But Shimei came, you remember? Shimei came on the other side of the ridge, picking up stones and blaming David as a bloodsucker. Just laying it on, you know. Now you get what you deserve. Now your own son took your throne and just... One of the mighty men of David says, let me go over and take off his head. And he would have been able to do it. He was strong enough. I mean, the mighty man of David killed lions, killed bears, killed hundreds in battle. Those men were truly mighty men. If you, if you like to read them, some interesting story, read the story of the mighty man of David. And he says, let me go over and just chop off his head. What was David saying in response? Listen, don't do it. My own son is seeking my own life. Let this Benjamite say whatever he says. He was truly repentant. And Moses was one too. Moses was one and he was dear to the Lord. You remember that in the seven last plagues, The enemy will suggest that unless they kill the Sabbath keepers, the plagues will not stop. You remember that? False interpretation of sacred history. The 250 princesses with Korah, Dayton, and Abiram rebelled against the sanctuary service. Not against Moses. Moses was a minor issue. It was ultimately the sanctuary service. And brethren, there is a rebellion among us today against the sanctuary service. I know this is a repeat, a review, but I felt it's important enough to review because the new year will not be easier. The new year will not be easier. The sanctuary service is a service that produces true godliness. 
true godliness. It fits us for heaven. And the mystery of iniquity is to keep us from reaching heaven. Let me just repeat the quote that I quoted last time and then I will come to a new material. The God has was not, the God had was not made human. And the human was not deified by blending together the two natures. Brethren, that's another issue among us, the humanity of Christ. It's a salvation issue. And if you like to read more about it, jot it down, Selected Messages, Volume 3, 131. It's good to go back and read it. Let me give the reference again. Selected Messages, SM, Volume 3, page 131. The God has, was not made Human. Christ retained his full divinity. He accepted worship. But the human was not deified by blending together of the two natures. He came not to our world to give an obedience of a lesser God, to a greater, but as a man to obey God's law. In this way, he is our example. The Lord Jesus, I love this, I love this. The Lord Jesus came to our world not to reveal what a God could do, but what a man could do through faith in God's power to help in every emergency. It was not God that was tempted in the wilderness, nor a God that was to endure the contradiction of sinners, and so forth. Now, <clears throat> you know, I started late, and I take a few more minutes, but I started well after 12 o'clock, brethren, so just don't tell me that the pastor is long-winded. No, I am short-winded. I like to just read, this is a closing thought, but it is very important. One of, one of the most important chapters in Deuteronomy. I don't dare to say the most important, but please notice what I said. One of the most important chapters. Extremely important. So turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 13. And when you go home, reread it and reread it and reread it. 
Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, stop here. Now, brethren, what is one of the major characteristics of a true prophet? That he speaks the truth. Is that correct? That he speaks the truth. And here, there is a false prophet who brings about a wonder, a prophecy, or prophesies a miracle, and the miracle comes to pass. So you would say, okay, he is a true prophet, or she, whoever it is. But let's continue. Saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. Verse 3. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Let's stop here for a moment. Brethren, the issue is not whether I sympathize with truth. There were many Jews who sympathized with Jesus. Are you with me? There were many convicted, but they never took a public stand, a firm stand with Jesus. Or oh, they sympathized, including Nicodemus. He came to Christ at night. Do you remember his opening words? Lord, we know that you are sent from God because nobody can do those miracles that you do unless God is with you. Well, it was partially true. <coughs> but only partially. And half-truths are very dangerous. In fact, half-truths are more dangerous than outside lies. Because Jesus was not only sent from God, he was the word of God, incarnate. Anything that was made was made by him, and nothing that was made was made without him. Are you with me? <coughs> So, it was a false compliment. Now, he was an honest man, but honestly mistaken. No amen? What was, what was Jesus' response? You must be born again. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, how did the ministry of John the Baptist start? You remember, 
Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And the scripture says the whole Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria came out to the Jordan to be baptized. But later on, Jesus says, hey, the kingdom is not coming visibly. The kingdom is within you. So unless I am born again, I will never see the kingdom. And many came out to be baptized because they were smart politicians. Woo! Woo! Politician meddling into theology. But they wanted to maintain their influence with the people. And John, his influence was domineering over the nation. Even the king respected him <clears throat> for a while and to some degree. Let me read this verse again in Deuteronomy Chapter 13, verse 3. You shall not listen to the word of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, brethren, the ultimate test will come to us. And the ultimate test will not be how much you know. Also, it's important. It's important to know the truth. But the ultimate test will not be how much you know, but how much you love. How much you love. Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commitments. If you love me. My brethren, there are some rational truths that you cannot argue with. I'd like to tell you a story. You keep it to yourself, Okay. Promise? If you gossip about it, I get into trouble. Last Thursday, my only daughter, because the younger one died, Heidi, made a special supper for us, the family members. And uh, only relatives were there. Grandpa, granddaughters, aunts, blood relatives, you know. Nice company. Good supper. Good meal. Heidi's an excellent cook. My wife did a good job. She taught her. <clears throat> After supper, the desserts and everything, and Chocolate mousse or chocolate pudding. Are you familiar with that? Ooh. I love chocolate mousse. But after supper, we went to the living room, put ourselves in comfort, 
and begin to talk. And we got into arguments. Relatives, immediate family members. Now, we didn't tell each other, you are stupid, you are crazy, if you believe this. No, no, we, were, we treated each other in a gentleman manner. We just said, no, 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 no. You are not right. You are not right. Or your convictions are contradicted by the facts. Okay? And one of the guests, I love her. I respect her. She's a fine lady. I always take off my head before her, stood up. She says, for more than 40 years, I worked in the health department. Uh, 20 years in the, one of the most famous Michigan State University Hospital in Ann Arbor. Among the greatest physicians, professors, you are telling me that I am wrong. She stood up, picked up her suitcase or not ridicule or whatever, and walked out on us. I am asking you, because this is really a theological issue. Now, what did we get into arguing about gently? What? My injections, whether forced injections is constitutional or not constitutional. Are you with me so far? It's a big issue. By the way, January, the U.S. Supreme Court will have a special session. Are you listening? January, the U.S. Supreme Court will have a special session just dealing with this issue. If the Constitution protects you from forced inoculation, okay? It will be settled by the Supreme Court, I hope. In that family group, there were some who were inoculated and some who were not. I am one of those who were not. I'm not alone in the family. I never got an injection. That's my conscientious conviction. But I honor the conscientious conviction of those who says, I like to receive the protection. And my Son-in-law, my two granddaughters received COVID-19. So I honor the conscientious choice of individuals. And this is what the Supreme Court will decide in January. And they just may come out on my side, brethren. And if they do, that will be a reason for you to re-invite me to Brooklyn. 
saying, and this pastor still speaks the truth. <laughs> but let's come back to Deuteronomy 13. Okay? Verse 4. You shall walk after the Lord your God and after and fear him and keep his commandment, obey his voice, and you shall serve him and hold fast to him. Verse 5. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God and brought you, the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeem you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from among midst of you. The issue is basically salvation issue, brethren. Are you with me? It is. Uh, verse 6, now I, I, I finish it. I, I just have to emphasize this. Verse 6, and if your brother, the son of your mother, this is real close blood relative, is that correct? If your brother, not just in the church, you know, we are brethren, I respect that. I acknowledge that we are all brethren. But here it speaks about the biological closeness. If your brother, the son of your mother, your own son or daughter, or the wife of your bosom, or your friend who is in your own uh, secretly entices you, saying, let's go and serve other gods, which you have not known, neither knew you nor your fathers, or the gods of the people which are all around you, <clears throat> near you, and far off from you. Very important, near or far. Are you with me? <coughs> You shall not consent, but you shall surely kill him, and so on and so on. I'm not going to read everything. We are not in the theocracy. We are not stoning somebody who breaks the first four commandments. Are you with me, brother? We are not stoning anybody. But separation is still included in this. And Revelation 18 is a call, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of their sin and their plagues. So, brethren, in my humble opinion, Deuteronomy 13 tells us what the last generation theology includes that we have to be 100% for the Lord. 100% for the Lord. How can I do it? 
only with the help of the Holy Spirit. As I said, <clears throat> and this is, I'm closing. I would not be a Seventh-day Adventist if it were not for the encouragement that the spirit of prophecy have given me. It wasn't an easy life. It was not. I cried much, pleaded with the Lord. But the Lord helped me. I don't know what's ahead of us, except if I follow the prophecy, brethren, we will be tried to the uttermost. Try to the uttermost. Oh, that would be another topic, but I have to quit. But why try to the uttermost? There will be no room left for hypocrisy. Are you with me, brethren? Remember the experience of Job. First, all his possession. I mean, that's enough to shock people out of the truth. But he was not shaken out of the truth. And then his health. He was tried to the uttermost. Brethren, I like to meet that man. And when we meet him in heaven, I will just go there and hug him and squeeze him so that I almost break his ribs. But I said, listen, I admire you. Brother, you gave me so much courage. I praise the Lord because of you. And I pray that the Lord would help me. Thank you for your patience. Lord bless you. Have a happy new year. And remember Deuteronomy 13. The Lord is testing whether you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. Not how much you know, but how much you love. Help us to love him supremely. That's the first commandment anyhow. Thank you.